Hey warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Untamed Life. It's Christine Jewell, and today I am joined by Neil Kennedy. I am so excited to have him on the show. Neil is someone that I've been following behind the scenes. His words have just been piercing my heart, making me lean in, getting more and more curious. I just love his level of conviction clarity, direction, and the mission that you're on. So Neil has, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Neil has passionately promoted God's word for 25 years or more now in ministry. It's been longer than that now, I know for sure. Practically applying biblical principles that elevate people to a new level of living. He is a business, church, ministry, and life consultant, and he has helped others strategize the necessary steps to reach their full potential. In 2008, Neil founded Five Star Man, and that is his full-time focus. And I am just so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored. So I, like I said, I have been kind of, I don't know how you dropped into my feed, but you did. I feel like, you know, when the timing is right, the message shows up. So I felt like the timing was right. So I really felt inspired to call you on the show. I know a little bit about your backstory from the conversation we've had and some of the things I've read, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story and really what the topic of today that I want to dive into is like what it means to be a man. How do we even get there, right? And what does that look like in today's day and age? But what qualifies you to have this conversation with us today? And I mean that, you know, life in the in the life journey way. (laughs) Well it's kind of it's kind of a bold thing to kind of represent yourself as the founder of Five Star Man. And, and because everyone thinks that what I'm trying to do is rank manhood. And that's not what I'm doing at all. Uh, what I'm doing is identifying five purposes that every man has within them. And when I discovered these five purposes, that's the, it was a game changer for me. Number one, it helped me identify who I was. And what I've learned is if you, you have to know who you are before you can know why you are. And you have to know why you are in order to know where you're going. So you've got destiny included with purpose and identity. Mm-hmm. And the way that that came to me, Christine, is that I was not raised by my father. I was raised, he left when I was five years of age. My mother set me down a few days after he left with her new boyfriend and they changed my name. They literally, I woke up that morning. Gary Kennedy, they changed my name to my middle name and assumed her boyfriend's name. So that night I went to bed, Neil Robertson. So I woke up Gary Kennedy, went to bed, Neil Robertson. And, and what they did, they stole my identity. And as a five-year-old, you don't know who you are. You don't know, you know, where you're going, anything. And my father abandoned that. 
And he he wasn't going to be there to tell me about my heritage. He wasn't there to prophesy my future. He just left and his voice had left my life. And so all my childhood years, my teenage years and my young adult years, I'm grasping, I'm reaching, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And so with a poor education, with no identity, I turned to God. I actually just cried out to God. And once I committed my life to Christ, all of a sudden, everything changed. I, I figured out who I was yes. and it gave me purpose in life. And ever since then, I've been taking steps to explore how deep can I go to understand who I am, what my purpose is and where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. It's so true. Until we know who we are, we can't possibly figure out why we're here, let alone what we're supposed to do. I just really want that to land because I can, I can relate to so much of that too. You know, my dad was physically present, but emotionally abandoned through the alcoholism. And I I know that well, that, that robbing of the identity, but not like that. So that is crazy. And I think in some sense, we all kind of go through a robbing of our identity at some point, but what a beautiful journey inward. And I, you know, you said something in one of the books, I think there was a quote that you said, when God created man, he placed within him a deep reservoir of Mm -hmm. purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just like a deep reservoir. Can you just talk to that just a little bit, whatever's on your heart around that? Cause that just, I use a lot of scripture in order to, to lay the foundation, but oftentimes the scripture is Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a different way of looking at it. You know, yeah. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers. And so th- there's something deep within us. Even Paul said in First Corinthians 2 that there's a wisdom, there's a secret in every one of us, you, me, every one of us have a secret reservoir. And and I say this, and I don't mean this, I don't, I don't use these kind of statements to be cute or to be, you know, whatever. I say them because they're true. God is keeping secrets for you. He's not keeping secrets from you. He's reserving these things for you. No one else Mm. knows exactly what's in you. Only you, your spirit knows. Mm -hmm. And God wants to give you access to that, but you've got to stop copying what everyone else is doing. That's why he said, no eyes seen, no ears heard, no mind is conceived. What God has prepared for those who love him. So there's something deep within you. And of course, that means that there's purpose there. You were created for purpose. You were created on purpose. So you're not an accident. You're not just, you know, wandering through life. You have a destiny. So with all of that, what I want to do is I want to dig deep. I want to say, okay, God, what are those purposes? So when, mm-hmm. when I identified what a man is, all I did was I said, okay, where am I going to find that? Proverbs chapter 20, verse five says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. A man of understanding draws them out. Okay, mm-hmm. that's where they're at. Now I just need to understand so that I can draw, upon, I can tap into it. So just a little bit of teaching here for a moment. I love it. So far, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) The word for man is ish, I-S-H. And the word for woman is isha. So there's there's 
they're two distinct beings, of course, drawn out of Adam. But once the bone was given from the man to form the woman, then the man is absent of the female portion. If he wasn't absent of the female portion, he wouldn't need her. But because he's absent of the female portion, she is the perfect complement for them to come back together. And what did he say? He said, I want to bless you and I'm going to speak multiplication over you. So it's not one plus one equals two. And that's how most marriages attempt to function. They still want to keep their identifier as as singular where he said, you're going to multiply. That means your one times one equals what? One. So when two come back together, a male and a female, then they have reproductive ability. They have multiplication factor in their life, not just to reproduce, but in everything. You have a glorification, a multiplication factor. There's nothing more powerful on earth than a man and a woman who walk in agreement in marriage. It's the greatest, most powerful force on earth. It is. It is. It is. It is. And I'm so glad you went right there. I am on fire and on like I'm so passionate about this topic after cycling through decades and decades of decades of distorted dysfunctional relationship and the world's programming that tells us, you know, everything you need is already inside. Well, it it is and it's not, you know, it's absolutely not. We need each other too. And and I love that you brought that up too about the multiplication aspect. I've certainly experienced that in my life now, getting things right with my heart first with God so that going back to something you said earlier, he could actually give me what was meant for me all along, but I was not ready. I'm just going to be the first one to raise my hand and say, I was not ready to receive the type of man that my husband is now back then, because I wouldn't have known how to interact with him. I just had a very, you know, distorted view of, of men <laughs> and distorted view of what a, a relationship is for, like what the whole purpose of a relationship is for. But as I have really come into this place, God is truly multiplying everything in our lives. And it is so true because we are together. We're in this like sacred union and it's a container that's so protected. And we know, I know that this is why the enemy is attacking this sexual nature, our God-given mm-hmm. identities as man and woman, our children. Some of you listening to the show have experienced and heard firsthand some of the things I've shared about what's going on in my house, but I'm really passionate about this topic. So I'm glad you brought that up. Something interesting you said though, that is, I don't know that I've fully heard that before, is that when Adam's rib was taken out, then he is no longer, the feminine part is gone. Because a lot of things and teachings out there say, well, no, we're both masculine and feminine. And so I wasn't even going to go down there, but you said it. So I'm like, can you, I just want to like double tap on that for a minute because it's yeah, true. That, well, right? once again, you know, the perfect compliment to the man is, is mm-hmm. the woman. Right. And the perfect, the perfect compliment to the woman is the man. Right. You don't need the help meet if you're complete within yourself. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about your growth of becoming the woman that you are to your husband, the same way with myself and my wife. Yeah. You know, I'm a very different man now yes. because she has been the perfect compliment to me. 
and she's drawn out the best in me. I, I say it this way to men. If you want to see the potential of a man, look at the woman that believes in him. Woo! It's powerful, but it's true. It a true. man's potential is drawn out by the help of a woman. And the same way with a woman, a man, a man is designed to be a husband. He, his first position of job was husbandry. And God gave man the job of husbandry. Be, watch this. He gave man the job of husbandry before he introduced his wife. So God made Adam a husband before he even created his wife. So I tell young men all the time, if you want to be a husband, be a husband now. Be the man that you're designed to be now, and you will attract the perfect compliment to your husbandry. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That I say that all the time, and I cannot agree more. I had to become also the right wife for my husband to show up because, and that was a radical moment of awareness when I realized, wow, I am not the woman who builds her husband up right now, right? And so, and it's so interesting too, and I'm sure the men listening, I hear this a lot, and I'm sure you do too, that their purpose comes alive. I hear that all the time. Like when they mm -hmm. have the right relationship, they restore even the issues in their marriage or get that relationship right within themselves, with God, with their wives. It's like their purpose seems to flourish yeah. even more and come alive. Well, it all goes back to, okay, look at look at our culture. Our culture is confused because they're confused in identity because they have forgotten their creator. Romans yeah. chapter one says, even though they knew God, they never, they didn't recognize him, acknowledge him, nor give him thanks. Therefore, they became delusional in their thinking. And so what's happening in our culture is they've lost identity because they no longer identify with their creator. And so once you lose your identity, all of a sudden, of course, you don't have purpose. When you don't have purpose, you, ha you don't have directional intent. See, if I know if I know who I am and I know why I am now, I have directional intent. Yes. And, and not any not every road will work for me. Because now I know where I'm going. And so, so the trivial pursuits are no longer an option for me. I'm mm -hmm. not going to be distracted here or there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be focused on where I'm going in my destiny because he's ordering my steps now to accomplish my purpose. The great proverb that everyone quotes where, you know, the vision is yeah. lacking. People cast off restraint. Yeah. That That's what we're seeing in our culture. Yes. That's what we're seeing in marriages. Yeah. When marriages don't have directional intent, then that's when they begin to wonder. Yes. That's when they begin to wonder W-A-N and W-O-N. They begin to fantasize. And that's why so many go down the, the track of porn or they begin to wander and they begin to just get off track. Yeah. And so you really got to know who you are. I, um, I'm sure that you know this, Christine, the book Strength Finders mm -hmm. is very, very popular, very good. And I normally don't like personality type tests mm -hmm. and, and all mm -hmm. of that. There, there's some merit to them. I get it. I understand it. However, I never wanted to identify with just a personality test, I wanted to identify with scripture of who I'm supposed to be in Christ. And so that was my issue with that. However, my adult children wanted me to take strength finders because they wanted to 
try to figure me out. <laughs> we, they wanted to get under the hood a little bit. They wanted an inside track of trying mm-hmm. to figure it, that out. And so, so I agreed. I took Strength Finders. And I mean, as soon as I took it and they got the results, they wanted to have a dinner. And basically, I was the subject of the dinner that day. Right. Yeah. My number one strength is self-assurance. Mm. And my daughter was like, Dad, I've never known anyone to have self-assurance, even in the top three. Wow. She said, rarely have I ever seen it in the top five. To have it number one, she said, I just don't get it. She because she said, because I know you're not arrogant. Yes. And she goes, I don't understand this, this, this test. And I said, it's misreading. It's misreading. She goes, well, you don't criticize the test. And I said, no, I, I think it's reading me right in one sense, but it's not reading me personally. Right. I said, I have no confidence in my flesh, but I have absolutely no doubt of who I am in Christ. My identity is in him. I have no wavering doubt. And I said, so therefore, it's misreading my, my assurance. I meet very few people who are so strong in who they are. And because this culture is going after your identity. And if I can speak directly to you that are listening, the number one thing you can do is find out who you are made to be, who you are, and everything, all of the collateral of life will fall in place. The desire for success all of a sudden will shift and you will want significance rather than success. Success is only measured by what you gain. Significance is measured by what you give. And your contribution in life will all of a sudden store and you'll understand what life is all about. Yes. Oh my gosh. There was so much gold in there. Like so many things that you said, but I love, love what you said about self-assurance because you know, it's that confidence, right? Where does that confidence come from? And I can just attest to this myself that that has just that unwavering doubt in who made you and what he has to say about you. And the switch for me was when I honestly stopped saying, who am I, God? Who am I? And started saying, who are you? And what did you create in me? And it was like, oh, right. When I was doubting like that, it made me really, it really revealed to me what I believed about Mm my creator. But I love what you said too. I want to just go back to is that yes to everything you just said. And like, I think the other distortion here that the world is kind of bringing in and certainly people in the business world and all the personal development stuff is that idea that we are the creators of our reality. And somehow we have, you know, we are sovereign creators and we have to have the vision and we are directing the path. And, And this is honestly where certainly the men that I work with, I see them really stumbling and tripping and doubting, falling into a lot of doubt because they're trying to trust their vision and almost force a vision. It's interesting. I'm curious your thoughts on this. It's like we can try to force a vision and we're trying to think and like make it happen and make the picture come or we can receive a vision. Like what's the Mm -hmm. difference to you between because visionary work is all over the place, right? I do a lot of it. I'm sure you do with your men. And it's such a fine line there sometimes. It is and it's not. It's very clear when you know it. But I, man, I've been tested on this one too. And I'm still very much like, is this is this really my ego and my will and my 
you know, my vision that I'm going, God bless this thing, you know, so that da da da. But how do we discern the difference here of like a vision that is ours versus a vision that is for us? Do you understand? Well, I think, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm a vision board guy. I mean, I, very few guys are, are like, are like me on this aspect. I, over my shoulder here, I, I won't show it because I call it the closet principle is what you do in secret is what moves you in public. And so I have a closet that has a barn door over mm-hmm. here, but I open the barn door and there is a another slider that is nothing but a bulletin board. I mean, it's four foot by six foot bulletin board. And on it is all of the vision that I have vision mm-hmm. for my personal, my family, my my business, my ministry, everything. So it's all on that board. And so I open my barn door and I pray what's in my closet. And I, I, I see the vision before me and I pursue that. Yeah. So I'm a vision board guy. And so where I get that scripturally is when Abraham was going toward the destiny that God had for him. And it's really interesting, you know, he lost the potential to be a father, but he still had this promise. And God says, okay, I need to give him a vision. And so he pulls him out of the tent and he says, okay, begin to count the stars. If you can count the stars, begin to name them Mm -hmm. and you'll become a father of many nations. And so the stars became a vision for Mm -hmm. Abraham. Mm-hmm. So he began, you know, to name the stars and say, okay, Jacob, Isaac, and then he, he, you know, or Isaac, and then Jacob, yeah. and then clustered the 12. And he, he kept naming and naming, well, you know, you and I that identify as believers in Christ are named in Abraham's children, sons and daughters of Abraham. So, so Abraham's vision and his vision board was manifested to him because he did not waver in the promise that God gave him. Right. So the difference between my vision and his vision, I think is one and the same mm. is because God has given that to me and I want nothing more than to please him. So I am believing for things that God has set in my heart to pursue Mm-hmm. And very few of them has anything to do with my ego. You know, there's no car on the vision board that will puff my ego. It just, right. it's a good vehicle. Yeah. Actually, the vehicle that I had on my vision board, I just purchased four, four weeks ago. I mean, I got it because it's exactly what I needed to accomplish mm-hmm. my goals, my purpose in life. So I don't know if I actually answered your question, but I think there's a positive mental attitude type confession, but then there's the faith confession of, I know God made me on purpose. I know that I have a destiny. I'm going to ask and believe for his vision for me. And I'm going to pursue that. Yeah. Uh, one more little tidbit on that. Yeah. Look at David who was selected to be the King of Israel He's anointed to be king, is prophesied for him to be king. But when he saw Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God and mock, blaspheme God? 
But then he asked a very important question that very few people will ever ask. And that is, what will be done for the man who does this? Mm. That's where some people get religious. They get all this religious idea that, oh, if it's anything for God, you shouldn't get anything out of it. Yeah, that's not what David said. (laughs) That's not what Abraham said. That's not what Isaac said. I can go down the list. Every one of the patriarchs said, what will be done for me? Well, I don't think God is intimidated by that. And so that's when if you have a vision, if you align it to God, if you say, God, I'm going to fulfill what you want me to do, what will be done? Even Jesus, when he when he looked at the cross, he said, well, for the joy set before me, I will endure the cross. So there was there was something for him to pursue. Paul, I pursue the prize of the high calling. I know I use a lot of scripture, but I hope that, you know, you that are in business, you get it. But I want you to understand, you can be looking at your business. You can be looking at your corporate path and your career. You know, there has to come a moment when you say, okay, if I'm going to spend my days, my precious days of labor and work, what will be done for me? What's my end goal? What is my takeaway? Right? So I think that that's a fair question to ask. Totally. And I think that it required, certainly for anyone, I believe, like a lot of the church background growing up, true prosperity and for us to be in the place of overflow was not something that was really, I mean, it was kind of talked about in some of the places, but I had to do a lot of reworking around this, even in my own life of like, to really live from the place that the more I am filled, the more I give, it's just like the natural byproduct is like, we can't possibly hold on to the blessing, whether it's, we're inspired by something or we're, you know, blessed financially, it's like it naturally wants to multiply around us. I think when we're in alignment and we're not in this like hoarding or fear, or whatever comes up, you know? And so I love that. And I actually had to do, a, I got, I got to do a lot of my own work around that. Like, wow, there is a feast set up and there is always more than enough when our heart is in the right place. And Nowhere yeah. is it like you should sit here with nothing and just be content. Yes, be content in all things. But really, I believe like we are called to live in this place of beautiful feasting and sharing and flowing, not there to gorge ourselves on the feast, but to just enjoy, enjoy. Well, I think that I think the key, once again, we go back to purpose. Yeah. So prosperity, prosperity doesn't have any dollar amount connected to it because you know who knows what that is success you can't define it prosperity you you can't define it by money prosperity literally means that your journey will go well Mm -hmm. that's what the actual word means your journey will go well my definition of prosperity is that you have the means to accomplish your meaning yes okay i know that there's a lot of people that have means without meaning and i know people that have meaning without means and either one is an evil under the sun. So you need you need to have both. And so yeah. my goal of prosperity is is not to hoard. It's for me, it's not about having a car or clothes or cottages. It's about my cause. It's about why am I living? So here's what I'm committed to do. I'm committed to take care of all of our needs. I am committed to grant the desires of my family's heart. As a father. I'm I'm committed to that. I want my family, I want my wife, I want them whatever they desire in their heart, 
I want to be the man. I want to, I want to supply that. Mm. But I also, I also want to finance my purpose. Yes. And that's where the real dollars come in. Yeah. The first two are basically just living. Yeah. The third one is where you really got to believe for, for major income. Because mm. if I'm going to finance my purpose, then that's going to require some real dollars behind it. It's not, again, it's not about how many cars, how many houses I have. It's not about the clothes I wear. None of that matters. That none of that, all of that is, is silly when you think about it. But when it comes to my cause, that's when I've got to really believe for big money and work toward that and create streams. Uh, Abraham had multiple streams of income. And so I create multiple streams of income in order to make that happen. Yeah, so good. And that goes back to the prosperity that you think that the needs will always be met for the mission also. Yeah. Or the cause or the calling or whatever, you know? And I think part of that too is like, not that we are the ultimate source. Like if he called us to the calling, he will also provide the means if we are in the right place at the right time and we were positioned for it, right? And a lot of it is about us getting positioned and staying in the right position. And it's normally disguised at work, you know? <laughs> you know. Which is, by the way, one of the, is it is that one of the five passions? I'm looking at them now. Let's talk about it. Well, entrepreneur. Yeah, I want to talk um, about that, the entrepreneurial drive for a minute. Yeah, entrepreneur. I, I discovered that, you know, the first one is adventure spirit. That's yeah. that's where a man understands that, okay, I'm willing to take the risk. Yeah. Men men know that. The moment I speak on adventure spirit, they all get it because yeah. they all are. They yeah. They all want it. That's why they identify so well with, you know, a football field, a baseball field, or even a battlefield. That's That's how men relate. Yeah. But the the gift of entrepreneurship, that entrepreneurial drive. And I use the word entrepreneur because it's such a great word. It basically means to procreate. It means that I'm going to take resources that God has made and I'm going to refashion them and make them a commodity of exchange. Even my personal gift can be a commodity of exchange. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, for me, Contrary to my poor education and my grammar teachers, here I am a writer. I I write a lot of material. I write books. And what's interesting is, you know, I'm able to write a book and then package it and men will pour into my lap a financial exchange for the gift that God gave me. Likewise, I'll take that money. And I will go and I will purchase something that was unaccessible to me except through that individual. Mm-hmm. That beautiful capitalist yes. entrepreneurship yes. is the greatest system ever given to man. Yes. It is beautiful in its design. Let me, let me, I know, I don't know if you mind if I go political here. And you let can me talk just about uh, anything you want. I'm all about keeping it real. So I'm not let me uh, <laughs> let me preface what I'm saying. I'm a Kennedy, so we shouldn't be involved with politics. But I want to say this. What I hate the most about a socialist design of economy is that it robs the person of their capitalist gift. Right. Every person 
has within them those deep secrets. And if you discover them, you're able to draw them out, sharpen them and make them a commodity of exchange. The sky's the limit for you. You will literally have more than you. You have more resource within you. God put that there than the earth has in all of its glory. I mean, think about the resources of the earth, and it's simply a rock mm-hmm. where humanity is created at the after the image of God. There's so much more in you as an individual. That's why I hate socialism, because it robs us of the gift of the individual and their contribution to the economic system of humanity. That's what makes us so good in humanity is when we operate from that gift set and we make a a commerce of it, it's beautiful because whatever gift is in you, I can enjoy because if you'll make it a commodity of exchange, I can purchase it. Yes. Does that make sense? Totally. And I love it how you said it's from the gifting that within that I'm able to meet your need. You have a desire. You have a need that needs to be filled. And so there's this beautiful exchange and it becomes a win-win fulfilling multiplication for both of us. Every Dr. Rabbi Rabbi Daniel Lapin has a great book, Thou Shalt Prosper and Business Secrets from the Bible. And Rabbi Lapin and I had a wonderful conversation at a meeting one time at a speaker's room. Wonderful time. Rabbi Lapin said, you will only prosper in proportion to your connections to other people. Yes. That is the secret of secrets when it comes to commerce. Because that kind of goes into the gallant relationships piece too, right? The gallant relationships. I mean, Mm -hmm. the secret of commerce that you just said. Yeah. Every connection. And and what a beautiful time we're living in when when you're in Toronto, I'm in Tulsa, and we're able to make a connection based on shared values, shared principles, and so forth. We're able to make a connection. So all of a sudden, our world has just gotten larger because we're connected. So... What a person has to do is step out of their isolation and start making connections. Social media is a wonderful tool. It's a love-hate relationship that we all have. (laughs) But if you manage it right, if you manage your relationships right, the connections can be enormous. I I am so grateful for social media. Yeah. Now I manage it. I'm very like, careful. I was going to say, you, you, you just said you got to manage it right and curate it right. It's so but easy. I'm going to manage my own household. I mean, I'm not going to let people just come into my house. Right. In the same way with my relationships on social media, you know, I'm not going to let just anybody have connection with me. You know, there's going to be people that I block and unfriend. And no, I'm not going to have an, a, a conversation with just anyone. Yeah, I'm going to be very careful, but here's the beauty of it. For every one of those, there's a hundred that are making great connection. Yeah. And my world is so large. You know, every day, over 250,000 men are connecting with my daily word of encouragement that I send out. Mm-hmm. So while I'm having coffee on my back porch, mm. And this morning I got a little fire and I got coffee and I'm reading 
and I'm just spending some time. When I'm doing that, there's a quarter million men who are connected with me. Receiving this five minute message that you deliver every day. Isn't that amazing? I I just, I'm humbled by that. And so whoever you are, whatever you're doing, remember Rabbi Lapin's encouragement. And that is your, you know, prosperity in life is directly proportionate to your connections. Yeah. I love that. And everything that you were talking about is this part of the biblical economics too. When you say man is the economy, like Mm. we are the economy. Is that part of your, one of the previous books that you wrote on the currency? Yeah. God's currency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what good is an economy if it's, if it's not related to a man or, you know, when I say man, I'm using that as humanity, I should say humanity or humans. You know, what good, what good is oil without man? What, what good is beef without man? What, you know, name it, whatever, cars, whatever. It requires a person. It requires a person for it to have an economy. And so man, capital M, is the economy. Humans are the economy. So it's really silly to think that we should eliminate (laughs) value humans yes and get rid of them if you think the world is overpopulated well you know you can solve one person that's part of the problem but don't try to solve mine Mm -hmm. you you hear what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i mean the the foolishness and the hypocrisy of of elitists thinking that they they want to grow a better economy by killing people it's just ridiculous yeah Man is the economy. Yeah. And human to human relationship is the economy. So let's yeah. stop let's stop acting like machines or production factories and exhausting ourselves, chasing the wrong things, disconnecting from the really the relationship piece. Cause it's so it's the thing that holds it all together. It could be so good. It, it could be, so be so good if we would just think about some things. I mean, even the even the robotic development that that's coming on the scene. I would embrace that. I like that. I like the idea of having robotics that are doing the, the mundane work. Yes. You know, we treat humans to do. Yes, that's what I humans mean. are more valuable than, than that. So I embrace the concept of uh, replacing human labor with robotics. Yeah. So, so much. I'm, I'm all into that. What I'm not into is eliminating the human. For I say eliminating, I'm I'm not talking about displacing them right. in employment. I'm talking about just killing them off. Yeah. And thinking there are no value. Yeah. There's so much more to a human. And again, we're all going back to that purpose. I have a conviction. Every person that I meet has a God-given gift within them. Mm-hmm. And it's my benefit to draw that out. Yes. It is so good. It does always come back to that. I, it always comes back to our identity. Everything comes back to our identity. Everything. Everything. Anytime there's chaos and confusion in our life or we feel off course, we've got to come back to those core questions. I want to make sure that we get to these couple things. And I know you've talked about a little bit, but I want to, you know, kind of finish up with two things. And also because I talk so much about relationships here, especially we talked about the marriage relationship and stuff, but you know, and I'm bringing this in from a perspective of a woman who mm-hmm. 
you know, that first love affair that's with the girl and her dad or, you know, that gets distorted. And then we repeat these cycles. And then interestingly enough, I got divorced and ended up being a single mom. So I went through that whole thing of raising the kids, my younger three and their dad wasn't really present. So there was just so much disconnection. And I got to be honest, as a woman, I could never fully flourish or thrive or just multiply in without that masculine presence around. I don't care what's out there on social media. I, I did all the mindset work. I did all the things. Can you talk? I know you've talked about it again, but like, why is it so essential right now that men, men step up, rise up, reclaim the territory of their homes? Because I think this is such an important, like radical shakeup that needs to happen. And women, we have our, our rightful place too, that we need to step up and own inside of our homes. Right. But like, what would you say to the men out there? Like, why is it so essential? Why is now so essential for them to rise up? You know, because I'm seeing just like, and I, I know you have all the stats and stuff and it's not about that, but like, what, what happens to the women? What happens to the children? What ha- What is the ripple effect of, yeah. of the men not uh, doing that? You know, I think that probably at the core of my motivation of course, is from my own experience. My father uh, leaving when I was five, but it wasn't just that he left me. He left my sister. Mm -hmm. And my mother, again, my mother was a serial adulteress. Mm -hmm. And I understand why my dad left. But I tell men all the time, you may have an ex-wife, but you don't have ex-children. And the harm that he did to me was one thing, but the harm that he did to my sister was, was compounded. Mm. Um, I think that it, it, it scarred her so deeply. It took her years of self sedation with drugs and alcohol and, you know, everything else. And it, it took her years to get away from that, to get over it. I, I, you know, I weep at the thought of remembering what my sister went through. Mm-hmm. So when I became a young man, I just didn't want to repeat the pattern. I, I wanted to say, okay, w- I'm going to repeat the insanity if I don't do something different. Yes. So I, I was determined I'm going to do something different. Number one, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. I'm going to step up as a man and I'm going to learn. I'm going to get wisdom. I'm going to get understanding. And I'm going to find the woman that is a compliment to me, but I'm going to treat her the way I wanted my mother treated, the way I wanted my my sister treated. And so I became a husband. A husband sows the seed and he will reap the seed that he sows. God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sows. So you can't speak down, men, you can't speak down to a woman and expect her to live up to your expectations. So you speak and you build her up with your words. Your words are prophecies. Your words impact. And so it's time for men to step up because what's happening in our culture is the result of men being absent. You said that even though your father was in the household, he he wasn't engaged. And so we have two types of, you know, men who who have been absent. Either they left the house, like in my case, or they're in the house, but they're not engaged. That's the the other passivity. Passive. We really have a passivity problem with men mm-hmm. and that men are not engaged. And here's the thing, just speaking directly, 
You've got to stop being passive. You got to stop being comfortable. You got to be, you stop being seduced by the sofa. You got to step up and be the man. It's time that every man has to face that moment when he either steps up or he shrinks back in obscurity. And the damage of men not being in the role that they are is abusive to in every situation, every relationship. Dr. Miles Monroe said, the purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. And if mm-hmm. men don't understand the purpose of being a husband, if they don't understand the purpose of being a father, then abuse is inevitable. Everything's going to fall apart. Yeah. And what we're seeing right now in our in our land is the result of men not engaging with their family. In fact, there's a prophecy in Malachi chapter four, verse five, that says, in the last days, I will send the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day the Lord comes. And he says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts will return to their fathers or else the land will be struck with a curse. What we're seeing is the curse of our land because men are disengaged, they're passive in their relationships. So it's going to require men to literally repent and return to the rightful place of leadership or everything else is there's this radical, radical liberal feminist, mm-hmm. Camille Pagula, who made this statement. What is happening with the demasculization of our society is how a society commits suicide. And the source of it is a radical liberal feminist. She says, What's happening is how we commit suicide as a society. So, so true. my warning is you, you know, we got to get men to step back up. We got to get men to step back up. We got to get men to step back up. I do not believe it is possible or it is very, very difficult for the feminine to move into that nurturing place that she is designed for if she does not have that protection and structure around her to hold space. No woman should be treated better than if she's married to what we would what we would identify as a five-star man, not the ranking of man, but a man who understands who he is, understand why he is, understand where he's going. You know, I was accused one time of being, I guess, over-masculine or whatever, you know, just accused of being yeah. all about men. Yeah. And what's interesting is uh, the people that I was com- conversing with did not know that my daughter worked with them. And so I'm in this conference room and we're talking about my book and all this. And there's seven women at the table and they're kind of accusing me of being over masculine Mm -hmm. in, in my book. Trying to get you to water it down. (laughs) Yeah. They, they literally wanted to, they were a publishing group and they Mm -hmm. wanted to, hire a ghostwriter to mm-hmm. basically water down my words, mm-hmm. my, my message. Mm-hmm. And they just said, you, you know, you just come across too direct and too masculine. And I, and I asked the, I asked the question, I said, do y'all know? And I mentioned my daughter's name, Alex, Alexandra. Mm-hmm. I mentioned my daughter's name. Oh, we love Alex. We love Alex. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you think the man that you're describing would raise a daughter like that? I said, because that's my daughter that you're saying that you love and you, you respect. I said, what this book teaches is what I did to raise my children. And so it's not because of who I am. It's because I was so desperate. I needed something to help me change and 
you know, Christine, the last thing I wanted was my children to taste the bitter morsels that I had to swallow as a kid. Yeah. We get to be the ones that break, break the pattern. I'm so glad you brought that up too. Like breaking the pattern, breaking the generational cycles, curses, all of that, and really choosing the new way. And that's yeah. the restoration, right? The healing and the restoration and the renewal. So I just thank you so much for your time. I could go on and on asking questions, but where can people find you? If people are interested in learning more about Five Star Man, what's the easiest place for them to connect with you? Yeah, the easiest thing to do is just fivestarman.com. And it's, it's three words, spell it out, always spell it out, fivestarman.com. And basically everything links from there of what we're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been a great, great show. You guys, thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you. If this message spoke to your heart, resonated with you, I always love for you to just share it, pass along with someone else who you know needs to hear this message. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure that you drop into iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. I read every single one. You guys can connect with me directly on Instagram at the Christine Jewel or following the links below to learn more about our coaching and mentorship programs. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously as warriors of the heart. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.